Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Pastor Kent comes. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house here today. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I have just been feeling the presence of God stirring us as we've been listening to these testimonies of the missionaries and and the, the how much that this church is doing. It has been absolutely amazing. I feel a miracle is working in this house here today. I don't know about how this church has been, and, but I know, I know how our church is in, in the Minneapolis area. Uh, with all the COVID thing going on and the face mask and everything, it seems like it's, it's been a little bit difficult for people to really just get with it. You know what I'm saying? We, we, like, we like it when people just kind of get with it and the church goes absolutely crazy. But you know, I feel like somehow today we're going to have a get with it kind of service, all right? Oh, yeah, well, 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 maybe I don't feel that as much as me, or you don't feel as much as I feel of it. Hopefully, at the end of this service, we will. It is such a privilege and, and, a, and a, pre, uh, a privilege for us to be here. My wife and I, Susan, is with us here today. Wave your hand there, Susan. Amen. Uh, we, we're thankful to be able to be with this church here this day. Why don't you just be seated for a second? Why don't you just go ahead and be seated? Thank you. Brother Cox, it's such a, a privilege to be with you and a, and a pleasure to be with you. We've been good friends for many years, and we're thankful to be with this church here this morning. I took the service off. I have my, my youth pastor working in our service here this morning. He'll be preaching there in just a few minutes. Amen. But I felt it was such a, an honor to be able to come here. I'm so thankful. And then, then to have the Tapias with us. They were just here with our church in Golden Valley last week, and, uh, and uh, we were glad to hear the, the ministry of the Word there. So what a privilege it is for us to just gather together with uh, the people of God and the household of faith all across uh, this great state of Minnesota. We have tremendous churches, amen, and great people of God. And then to come into this beautiful sanctuary here this morning and to be able to see so many people from so many different places and cultures and see, it is exciting. I'm loving it. I don't know about you, but I love, I love when I see people from all over the world and people coming into the church and and gathering and worshiping God together. That is absolutely thrilling to me. Amen. Amen. I'm going to try to weave in in this message here today. I'm going to try to weave some of the things that my wife and I have have uh, have done throughout the years and and uh, in our missions work in the Minneapolis metro area as well as as well as how this church has also helped us to be able to, to do the things that we are doing. But I'm going to start with just a simple thing here this morning from the Gospel of Matthew the 13th chapter. We're going to be reading uh, a few verses just from the 13th chapter, and it's going to lead in, really, this is going to lead in to my, my message here this morning. So some of you that are, are paying attention sometimes, uh, well, the preacher, he preaches from, or he gives us this text, and then he never even goes back there. That's kind of what I'm going to do today, all right? 
All right. Matthew chapter 13, and the Bible tells us in verse 44, Matthew 13 in verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found it, he hideth it for joy, thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a, a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. These two passages of scripture here talk about someone who sees something that is of great value and is willing to spend all to be able to acquire those things. This morning, I'm going to preach on this subject, having a heart of faith. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, just real close, wherever you are, and just whisper, that's what I want to have. I want to have a heart of faith. Can we one more time lift up our, our hands and our voices to God? Would you, would you allow the Lord to speak to your heart this morning, Jesus, this morning? We come before you. I feel your anointing in this place in a very special way. I, I pray, oh Lord God, you would help us, oh, oh Lord, this day to have a heart of faith, oh Lord, to trust in you, Lord God. Supernatural power, anointing, blessing, oh Lord God. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, that this church, oh God, Lord, would just explode, oh God, under your power and your anointing, oh Lord. We give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. A few years ago, when I was uh, going over uh, to our church, uh, it's in, now in Golden Valley in Minnesota, it was around 5 o'clock in the evening, and to my surprise, there was a man that was out on our lawn, and we have basically, a, we have a, a three acre, it's about three acres of lawn that we mow and we take care of, but he was out there with a metal detector on our property, Metal detector. And it was, of course, it's kind of surprising when you come up to your church and you see somebody, you know, looking around and digging around with a metal detector. So he was uh, out there, and, uh, and I approached him, and I, and I asked, well, how, how are you doing? How are you doing with your, your metal detecting here today? And he, he showed me a few coins that he had picked up uh, that he had unearthed. There was a quarter, there was a dime, and then there was just a few little pennies. And, and they were probably coins that, that I had dropped because I had mowed the lawn oftentimes. They're out of my pocket. Amen. They were probably something that I had put there. Or, you know, I had sowed them into the field. Truthfully, you know, I really know how, how they got there. But, but with the aid of that metal detector, those treasures were found. And, and uh, we talked a little while. And, and uh, he, said, he said to me, and as I was going, ready to go into the building, he said, he said if I find anything great, I'll be glad to share it with you. And I thought to myself, yeah, right. <laughs> he'll be out of here. Just, you know, I didn't know he was coming, and he'll be out of here if he finds anything. But in 1980, Kevin Hillier was uh, from Wedderburn, Australia, and he was out with his metal detector. And he was searching for objects, and he found some old bottle caps and rusty nails and common uh, things of the earth. And he didn't get really overly excited when his detector began to just kind of go off and there was something underneath him. But because he continued to dig right there, he found the largest gold nugget 
in existence today. It is what is called the hand of faith nugget. It looks, it looks kind of like your hand as you stand it up like this. That's the hand of faith nugget. Rumor has it that he almost didn't dig for it because he thought his detector was acting up. Fortunately for him, he did. And it was only about a foot underneath the surface of the earth. And he pulled out this massive gold nugget that weighed 61 pounds. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> well, at the price of, of, of price of gold back then, this is way back in 1980, it was worth about $425,000. Now, if you've been watching the markets and all they are going right now because of all the things that are happening in the world, the price of gold has definitely gone up. And so it's almost $2,000 an ounce right now. $2,000 an ounce. And so that gold nugget that he found while searching in that field would be worth approximately $2 million in today's market. The hand of faith, gold nugget, can be seen at the Golden Nugget Casino in Las Vegas. The casino purchased it for the sum of over $1 million, and they put it on display in the north tower of their casino where people come to try to make it rich. I don't know, I don't know if any of us will ever unearth any buried treasure or any golden nuggets. And we may never see the hand of faith gold nugget. Of course, if you're going through Las Vegas and go to the gold, well, you might want to not go to that place, you know, and spend your money there. But what I am kind of trying to tell you here today is when we, when we dig into the word of God and when we let the word of God speak to our heart, there is much more gold in the word of God than any gold nugget that the earth has ever uncovered. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the word of the Lord here this morning? Are they thankful for the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that God can give us in this house? Come on, somebody. I feel like there needs to be some faith that rises up in this place here today. Hallelujah. Now, I turn my attention here to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 28. 1 Chronicles, chapter 28. And in this chapter of the Bible... We are coming and looking at a man that is coming to the end of his life and the end of his, his work, we might say, the things that God had called him to do. I, I was awoken this morning with this thought on my mind. It was not in my notes, but I was awoken this morning, and, I'm, and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in this service today, and, and Brother Tapio is going to be in this service. And I noticed when he got up here, he's a lot thinner than I was when I traveled around. <laughs> And, and, and I know that he's probably 20 years younger than I am. And so his, his course is just starting. His, his journey is just beginning. And mine is on a different, uh, different time frame. I'm, a, I'm not, some people have asked me recently, are you leaving? I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> are you quitting? No, I'm not going anywhere. Don't you think we should retire? You say, no, I'm not retiring anywhere. 
not at that stage of my life just yet. But I was, I was thinking of this subject here this morning, but I am at a different stage of my time. And I'm not at the beginning area of where I was 20-some years ago. The scripture says in chapter 28 that David, this is King David, he assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the tens of thousands, and captains over the hundreds, and stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons, with the officers and the mighty men and all the valiant men and under all of the, under Jerusalem. I want you to see the picture here. This is King David at the very ending of his life. And, and, the, and the Bible here is telling us that he is, he's getting all the people together and he's going to give them some instruction. Verse 2 says, And David the king stood upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren, my people, as for me. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. There was something that stirred in the heart, the soul, the emotion, in the being of a man. It said, I, I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to see the work of God prosper. I want to see God have his, his word be in a place where people can feel it. The anointing of God can come from that place. The Bible says that David had it in his heart. He had it in his heart, amen, that, that he would build a house for the ark of the core, the Lord, and for the footstool of our God. And so the Bible tells us this. He made ready for the building. And I thought, I thought this morning, and I've listened, I listened to your pastor as he so eloquently brought forth all these things and the missions and the, what's going on in the different places of the world. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly right. That's, that's how it's done. People are making ready for the work of God, not, not only here in the Mankato area, but all over the world, people are, are prospering in the, in the work of God. And what you're giving and how God is blessing you is doing something not only just in this little area as, as we're surrounded by a cornfield, but all over the world. All over the world, God is doing something because of what this church is doing right here in this location. But the Bible tells us that God said to him, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war. You have shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my fathers to be king over Israel. And he had chosen Judah to be the ruler in the house of Judah in the house of my father. And among the sons of the father, he likened me to be king over all of Israel. He said, and all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons. He hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he, he shall build my house and my courts. 
For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I want you to understand what's happening here. The heart of a man, the desire of a person, the longing of somebody wanted to do something for the kingdom of God. But God said, no, you're not going to be the one that's going to do it. Your son Solomon's going to be the one that's going to do it. And so you know what? David did not pout. He did not think, well, if I can't have it my way, I'm not going to do nothing at all. If, if I can't have it, uh, if it's, we're not going to just build my kingdom here in this place, well, we're not going to do, I'm not going to give to this, I'm not going to give to that until we get us, our, our thing done. That was not his attitude. But his attitude was, I want to see the work of God go forward. I want to see the kingdom of God progress. Amen. And no matter who was in that position, he was saying, I want God's work to go forward. Church, I think that's the way I feel in this house this morning. Hey, man, I know it is because with all the giving that's going on throughout this place, throughout all the places of the world, amen, God is blessing this church. Somebody, you ought to give yourself a hand this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. We read on down in the scripture and it says, Take heed now for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern. The pattern. That was the plans. The porch. The houses thereof. The treasuries of. The upper chambers thereof. The inner parlors. He had it all planned out. God had given him everything that he needed to do. It was all planned out for him. And then... The Bible tells us that these words were from the heart of King David. From the heart of King David as they were addressed to his son Solomon, the leaders of Israel and David's mighty men. Solomon was the man that God had chosen to be the next king. He was the one that would build the temple that David would never get a chance to build. Amen. But the Bible tells us that David was willing to do everything that he could to be able to see the work of God go forward. The words of the king became valuable when Solomon, he put responsibility behind them and began to do them. The Bible is filled with similar admonitions to you and I. Isaiah said it in Isaiah 55 and 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. We've heard already in this service, if you feel like you need to be baptized, that's when you ought to do it, amen. If God is touching and moving upon your heart to worship him, that's what you ought to do. Seek the Lord and give it right now. Allow the presence of God to work in your life right now. Matthew 7 and 7 says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive, and he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened unto you. These words that we hear from the word of God were not just for kings or assemblies, but they're for pastors, and they're for Sunday school teachers, and they're for people that are first-time guests in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. These principles of seeking God, amen, for the good of not just yourself, but for all men and all women. 
These kind of words fit every culture. These kind of words fit every nation and every people group. And David, King David, had these kind of ambitions and intentions in his heart. The scripture said, I had it in my heart to build a house for the Lord. Hallelujah. I tell you what it was about David. He was consumed with the vision of the kingdom of God. He was consumed with a passion to do the work of God. And so he made preparation. The Bible said he made preparation for the work of God. Would it be called David's house? No, it would be Solomon's house. But David gave Solomon the plans for the vestibule, the houses, the treasuries, the upper chambers, the inner chambers, the place of the mercy seat, the plans that he had been given by the Spirit of the Lord, the courts of the house, the chambers all around, the treasuries of the house of God. All these things God had given David. And David would never really see all those things come to pass in his lifetime. But yet there would be a son that came after him that would. I thought to myself as I woke this morning, Brother Cox, young man, getting excited about a brand new church building here in the cornfield. Hallelujah. Every time he come out here, he, he told me this morning, I, I come out here and I just get so excited just to see what's happening here. 30 years from now, it'll be another person that comes into the house. 30 years from now, you'll have that big sanctuary built. You'll have maybe 10,000 people that are coming out to the cornfield. Let your faith grow this morning. Let your faith grow. But David made preparation for the house of the Lord. Today is faith promise day. It is a day in which this church has laid out its vision, its plans for helping start churches in North America and our missions work throughout all the world. It's the plans for reaching out in this community and bringing the gospel to your neighbor and whosoever will. Amen. It is a day in which each of us are asked to pray and to plan. It's a day in which each of us are asked to consecrate our, our hearts unto the Lord. It is a day in which we will find out what is in our heart. I thank God. I thank God for your pastor. This church, it has a long, as we've heard, a long history of giving toward the work of God. It's very easy to see the blessing of God upon this congregation this morning. Look what God has done. A building that you didn't have to build. <laughs> Hallelujah. You didn't have to develop the property. God has been very good to you. But it's already because you've had the Lord and his vision and his purpose in your heart. I said that we'd try to weave some things in here this morning. It's been over 20 years ago that my wife and I came down Highway 169. And we drove to the old building where the, the shingles were coming off the roof and and I, I remember the old building well, and we'd been there many times for conferences and things. And we had come down, we had come down for a, a purpose. I had been asked to go to Micronesia. 
I've been asked to build a Bible college in Micronesia for, for a Christian Life College in Stockton, California. I had been pastoring in Bemidji, Minnesota for seven years, and I'd been asked to go down and build the school. And so I was approved as a, an aimer, which is a, a missionary, and my wife and I were coming down and asking for funding for the project. I got in my, my book work last night. In fact, I dug, up, I dug up my old books. Brother, I don't know, Brother Tapia, if you have these things with you or not. But, but I, got, I got some old communications that I had in my book work, in my basement, in my file cabinet. And I thought, well, what was Mankato doing about that time? when they had a roof that was in need of repair and they didn't have financial commitments. And I got up and I, I looked through my, <clears throat> my list. It came down to number 17. They were the 17th stop on my list that year. And I remember <laughs> Mankato gave us $175 toward our aim work in Micronesia. And I want to say thank you again today not just for the $175 that you gave, but for the prayers. Because you don't know how much those prayers kept us when we were in that country. Many, many people died while we were there. If you think you have a crisis going on now where everyone's wearing a face mask, <laughs> I would hug people that one week they'd be there, the next week they would have a funeral for them. But we went there with a, a, a purpose to build a Bible college and teach the Word of God. And so we did. We were there one year, one year, building that school and teaching the, in the Word. And I, I noticed you have Micronesia on your, on your list. And I thought, yes, yes, it's so wonderful. We were there a year. It was during that year that I was there and I was teaching Students that had come, we had built a, we had built a, a, a two-room two school, and our apartments were on the above, and, and we had, had 13 men from the United States that had spent money and thousands of dollars to come and actually build the building there. And we lived there for the, we were the first missionaries that actually lived on that island from the United Pentecostal Church. And while we were there, I was teaching a class about the Apostle Paul and how that he went into the, his then-known world and preached the gospel. And people heard, and many people received the gospel and, and were, were saved. And I, said, and I said to the class that was there, I said, you have people coming here into Micronesia from all over the world. They're coming here. And you can preach the gospel, and, and, and they could take it back to their country like China or Japan or are there many, many places that go there for their fishing that is in that area? It's a great tuna fishing area. And I remember I was standing behind a little red pulpit, black chalk, a little black chalkboard behind me, and the presence of God swooped into the room where their students were listening to the word as I taught. And I stepped back from the pulpit, and I watched as people began to lift up their hands and people began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. 
And all over that place, all over that place, the Holy Ghost began to just pour into that place. People on the street, they, they were coming and walking by, and they were all gathering and looking in the windows and wondering what is going on in that room. But as I stepped back from the pulpit and watched what was happening, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me and said, David, will you go? Will I go? Lord, I'm on this little coral atoll 6,000 miles away from home. I'm trying to teach these people you, and you're asking me, will I go? Serious. People were worshiping. They didn't know I was talking to God. Young man from the Assemblies of God Church, his pastor had asked, could I come and be a student? I said, yes. He received the Holy Ghost that day in that service. And I said, Lord, where do you want me to go? He said, I want you to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where there's almost three million people. And I want you to begin churches there in that Minneapolis area. I just put my hands down and just asked the Lord, okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. From that time, we still had about four months left to finish our year that we were committed to in the marshals, finish teaching the students. But again, I began to make preparation to go back and come to the Minneapolis metro area where there were three million people. We made application for metro missions as Brother Tapia has done. We met our district board. I can still remember talking to my pastor brother, James Merrick, and saying, Brother Merrick, would you please just allow me? I, I literally begged him, please, Brother Merrick, please, would you allow me? Because it wasn't real popular back then, this Metro Missions program. It wasn't popular. But I asked him, I said, please, please, just, I'll do everything you can. You don't have to do nothing. I'll do everything. Please just allow me. Let me to go before the general board and the whole missions board. And they said, okay, we'll let you. So I was able to go before the North American Missions Board and they, uh, they approved me and we began our travel across the United States and Canada. For over 16 months, we traveled in an RV motor home, 60,000 miles of travel, preaching in over 240 churches of our United Pentecostal churches. Our last service was in Newport News, Virginia. We received approval to go to the general conference from that service. We went to Louisville, Kentucky, and we waited for them to tell us if we had enough funding to be able to come back to Minneapolis. I can still remember how excited I was to, to get approval and then head our motor home back toward Minnesota, amen, and begin there. I was reading through, through my notes here because we had sent out, we had sent out brochures, and I was, I was reading through them just yesterday, and I thought, one of the first ones I sent out was, my wife and I didn't have, 
we didn't have milk or anything, so we stopped at the, the CVS pharmacy to get a gallon of milk. And I was singing a song as I went in there, as I often do. And the girl at the counter said, are, are you going to church somewhere? I said, no, but we've come here just yesterday to, to start a church here in this metro area. She says, where's it going to be? I said, well, it's going to be in our house right now. And she said, can I come? And can I bring my kids and my husband? And I thought, yes. If there was ever a sign of God, amen, we're in the right place. It was then, amen. But I tell you where it starts. God had put it in my heart. He had put it in my heart. He had put a plan in my spirit to begin reaching the Minneapolis metro area. And from that little classroom in the Marshall Islands in the South Pacific, amen, where the Lord spoke to me, and literally I could hear his voice speak to me that day. Amen, from that little island, God began to do great things in our life. And the prayers and the financial commitment from so many of our United Pentecostal churches all across the United States and Canada have helped us and made us what we are today. I'm looking back 20 years now. We have now a property in Golden Valley that was purchased, and it used to be a United Pentecostal church in the 60s. In fact, the first person that ever bought that just passed away last week. His name was Edgar Ferris. He bought that property, and he was so excited when we acquired it again. In fact, he called me. His son, his son called me just last week. He said, Pastor Kent, have you heard? I said, well, have I heard what? He said, have you heard that my father has passed? I said, no, I hadn't heard yet. I'm so sorry. But he passed away just a week ago, the one that originally purchased that property. And then we bought it years after, years after. And it is now an another United Pentecostal Church in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Hallelujah. Just as recently as just a few years ago, we purchased another building in Brooklyn Park that God laid upon my heart. I was driving down Boone Avenue, which is, well, 169 is parallel to Boone Avenue. And 169 was crowded, so I took the U-turn and went to, to Boone Avenue. And as I drove by the building, the Lord spoke to me and said, turn around, I want you to go by that church right now. The sign was on there for sale. I called up the realtor and I said, I want to meet you about this property. We met. We discussed it. He said, we can get it done. I talked with the people that owned it. They were Russian Pentecostals of the Assemblies of God. We went into the, the meeting actually to have the negotiation. I told him, I said, sir, I said, if, if you would allow me to speak with the pastor of that church, we'll get a deal done today. <laughs> he said, okay, I'll, I'll get him in. So we all came into the room. They were Russian. They spoke in, Ru they spoke in Russian. I told him, I said, I know that this property is worth over $1.5 million on the open market. You could sell it for that today. I know you could. But we're going to make it a church. It was in your heart to have it a church. We want to have it a church as well. 
And I told him, I said, the best that we can give you is $618,000, but we'll do it now. We'll sign the papers today. And I remember him, the Russian, they, they had an administrator and they had a, a pastor and they turned one another and talked in Russian back and forth to one another. I don't know what they're saying. They turned to me and they said, Pastor, we'll do that. Amen. Everyone in the room lifted up their hands. Everyone in the room began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Oh, I want you to know what God puts in your heart, you can do greater things. Hallelujah. Amen. But it started, it started with a dream and a vision. And so we have seen people from every nation and nationality. And we have people from Liberia coming to church. We have people from China. We, we got people from Asia. All over the world, people are coming to this church, this little church on the hill. But it's because of what God can put in your heart. It's what God can begin to do. So the scripture tells us, King David was told, you're not going to be the one that builds my house. Your son will be. But you know what David did? The scripture says in verse 14, he gave gold by weight for things of gold. For all articles used in all kinds of services. Also silver for all the articles of silver by weight. And all the gold and the lamps of gold by weight for each lampstand and its lamps. For the lampstands and, the, and, and, and according to each one. And by the weight he gave gold for the tables of showbread for each table. Silver for the tables of silver. Pour gold for the forks and the basin and the pitchers and the golden bowls and you find weight by the altar of incense and constructions of the chariot that, that is the gold cherubim that spread their wings and overshadowed the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And this, said David, the Lord made me to understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. It is quite obvious it's quite obvious that David had taken much time to plan it all out. It didn't just happen. He sought the Lord, and the Lord showed him what to do. For the Cox, your church, the church that you pastor, these wonderful people, tremendous, tremendous group here today. That is what we're doing right now. We're taking time to put in motion revival plans. In Minneapolis, Brother Tapia, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. When I saw that screen again today, my heart began to pump once more. Oh, God, give us churches in Minneapolis. Give us churches. But it takes the planning of people. It takes a financial commitment. If you read through the story, and I don't, I think we're probably about done here this morning for my portion. If you read through the story, you'd find out that David just didn't give a little bit, but he gave more than anyone. He gave more than anyone. He just asked the people to do what you could and what's in your heart to do, and and give. And that is what we're doing here today.
We're just asking people, telling people what the work of God is. It's so great throughout all the world. And we're asking. We're coming before you here today. What's in your heart? Do you have a heart of faith toward the things of God? You know, my wife and I, we got our first house here just when we came back to Minneapolis. We'd rented, we'd build it, gave it away, and we've got our first house, thank God. It's almost paid for. Almost paid for. It's amazing what the Lord has done. But it's because of all the people that have helped throughout all the years and prayers that people have prayed. I know Brother Tapia is a little bit discouraging during this time. I know it is. I know. I know how it feels. But the Lord will he'll make a way when there doesn't seem to be any way. And he'll do it through the people of God. I got a call. I'm, I'm closing, brother. I'm sorry if I go too long. I got a call just this last, last week from one of, the, one of the partners that we had had in Iowa. I, I can look through my book. I can tell you the exact day that we were there. And I know that they donated $50 a month toward our work in Minneapolis. 20 years later, he called me because we had an issue that had taken place and he wanted me to be aware of it. And I reminded him, I said, sir, you might not remember, but I do. When my wife and I were there in our RV motorhome, not only did you take us on as a partner for $50 a month, but you also loaded our motorhome down with groceries that probably lasted us over three months. They had a big grocery drive and big, huge, people would bring sacks and bags, and it was so awesome. It was awesome. Because that's, that's what we needed at that time. We needed it. But it was because what people had in their heart to do. I don't know what's in your heart this morning, what God is putting in your mind and your spirit to do. But I know one thing. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You'll always have enough. He'll abundantly bless you above all that you are able to ask or even think. I thank you for the opportunity to share my heart a little bit with you here this morning. And allow the Spirit of God. Don't you feel the presence of God? Don't you feel the Spirit of the Lord moving? Hallelujah. Brother Cox. Hallelujah. This is what I would like us to do. I think the Spirit that is in this room is exactly what it needs to be and perfect. We have some ushers that are going to help us. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, 
please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.